0: Another thing to do is going back to that, you know, the culture of learning is to give them materials and resources that are like outside of, you know, your own company's enablement program. Like if you can get people, encourage them to be listening to podcasts, to reading sales books, that kind of inspiration. The seller who's listening to a podcast every morning comes in, that's that's state management. They're gonna come in inspired. They're gonna come ready to try something different. Hey, I got this new technique, tactic, philosophy approach. I'm gonna see how I'm gonna apply that today. I think
1: it's terribly important to insist on individual values. Learning Culture Podcast. Initiative, creation, all these things which we value. It's now possible to make organizations on a larger scale than was ever possible before. Learning Culture Teach people to analyze the kind of things that are said to them. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Learning Culture Podcast. I am your host, Andrew Barry, and joining me this week was Mike Macchiarelli. Mike is the head of revenue enablement at Modus. Before that, he was a seller at Equinox and then at Modus and has been in the enablement role for not too long officially, but has been doing enablement for pretty much his whole career, which is something that I think many of you listening can relate to. This was a a really fun episode for me in that I got to kind of geek out uh, about sports with Mike, who is obsessed with it as much as I am and is able to go pretty deep into into sports topics. And we use that as an analogy for building a sales team. And I think one of the things you'll definitely realize from listening to this conversation is that Mike has kind of a romantic view of sales, which was really unexpected and and really interesting. So I dug a lot deeper into that and we pulled out some really fascinating ideas that I think you'll find useful. So in this episode, you will learn how sales is like an active sport and how easy it is to lose the muscle memory of doing the selling, how important it is to be a servant leader as an enabler, how sales is really about facilitating change and that every sales moment is a precious moment how to handle imposter syndrome in your sales team, why it's not just about top performers, but winning together and how that impacts turnover, the importance of state management, or in other words, the mindsets and behaviors of your sales team, and how to make people feel like they're part of something bigger. There are so much great information in the show. We also dive into Mike's top priorities and challenges for the year. So there's tons here for you to take into your role And into developing people in your organization. So please, with that, sit back, relax, and enjoy my episode with Mike Macchiarelli. What's up, Mike? Welcome to the show. Hey, great to meet you, Andrew, and great to be here. Yeah, I'm I'm looking forward to this. For those, Regulars uh, to the show who are watching it on YouTube um, will notice a very different background. I'm on the road today, but I got a mobile podcast set up, and uh, I'm excited to dive into to some topics with you, Mike. So you and I were chatting a little bit before. You're in. Um, it's an interesting. Uh, I, I want to start here because I think so. You're officially an enabler for like seven months, yep. but you've been doing enablement for a lot longer than that. So can you tell yep. us a little bit of that background? I think it started, you said, at, at Equinox?
0: Yeah, I uh, started my sales career out of college at Equinox Fitness, and that was back in Connecticut, where I lived at the time. And I started out in a sales role. Uh, it was called Membership Advisor and loved the sales role. Uh, still enjoy selling, but really quickly pretty much initially when I went to sales training, had a phenomenal experience at corporate sales training with Equinox and the people leading the room uh, just had so much conviction and so much passion, I kind of knew instantly that's where I wanted to go. I wanted to help train, develop salespeople. I wanted to be that person at the front of the room, uh, helping the new the new wave coming in uh, be successful. So uh, I had the opportunity to do that. After just over a year of selling, I did really well. And the position for a regional sales manager opened itself up. And, uh, you know, in that industry, they don't really call it sales enablement, but it's very similar to, in terms of roles and responsibilities, what, you know, here in the SaaS industry where I work now, we would call sales enablement. Yeah. Uh, lots of training and development, lots of onboarding of the new sales reps, training them on the sales technology, uh, Refreshing sales skills every you know periodically along the way, mm. uh, and then helping implement uh, sales and marketing strategies. Being the person to kind of present those and execute them and analyze results and adapt. Mm. Mm. Yeah.
1: And what drew you to that? So, so I, I so you kind of alluded to it, and I it resonated with me immediately because I I started my career fifteen odd years ago as a as an accountant. So like. I was trained in South Africa, then did the, the retraining here in America, all that sort of thing. Um but I like right from the word go, I was drawn to the the people in front of the room, like mm-hmm. you said, that were teaching us like how to do a doing. And it was something immediately I knew I wanted to be and that's pretty much where I spent most of, most of my career as soon as I, I could. Um, it, is that like, was it that like, what, what was it about it? That drew you towards it? Yeah.
0: I, you know, I, it's hard to say there's a couple of things. I mean, one, I think ultimately probably goes back to what I wanted to do before sales. So I wasn't, you know, I think most people weren't planning to be a sales rep. Mm-hmm. Um, I originally wanted to be a professor. I wanted to be a history ah. professor. And that's what I went to college for the first time around. I went back and got my um, my business management and marketing degree, but at that time I was studying history. And this was a, back in about two thousand eight, I think, um, when I started and. Then it was uh, by the time I was about to work for Equinox, it was probably about uh, 2013. But at that time, the economy had been, uh, you know, not in great shape and the job market for teachers wasn't looking well. And I heard all these horror stories about like history, people with like PhDs driving taxi cabs and not being able to find teaching jobs. So even though the idea of being a teacher or professor was really appealing to me, I uh, put it off. Went no. into sales, fell in love with sales, but then when I saw, you know, I went to sales training and I saw that, wow, these people are teaching something I feel is just so much more exciting, so much more, um, in terms of, uh, being able to grow your career and grow your income, uh, that was to be able to make that impact on myself, but also help other people who maybe mm-hmm. didn't know what they want to do with their career now find purpose and now mm-hmm. see, have a vision for, uh, Levels of achievement they probably didn't see before. That was just like so so compelling to me.
1: Mm. Yeah, what a great comment. Now you're a professor of sales.
0: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. And now it's kind of cool that you start to see colleges implementing sales programs. And I'm thinking, wow, I can mm-hmm. you know maybe that's like my retirement plan. I'll go and no, teach, teach sales at go university.
1: Ahead. Go full circle. I like that. That's <laughs> awesome. um All right. So so you left Equinox. You you're at Modus now. Um, you didn't start there in Enablement, right? correct yeah i started as accounting executive okay and, and what was that transition like like when did they someone go hey mike we need you to do this enablement thing <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah that was about it was about five months into my time at modus modus is a you know small g- growth company so like a lot of small growth companies in sas just constant changes and strategies and needs and roles and responsibilities people wear a lot of hats So, but they really at that time needed someone to oversee, be the first person to oversee enablement formally at the company, but then also uh, part of that role included overseeing the team of BDRs as well. Mm -hmm. And with my experience in sales management, uh, they kind of just looked internally at at, at me and offered mm. me the position so i I was yeah. planned to stay an account executive wasn 't necessarily looking to get into uh, back into leadership and management so quickly. Mm. however, the idea of enablement has always appealed to me yeah. um, it's you know it's it 's just uh, always where I feel like I probably would be uh, find the best opportunity for myself to provide impact so jumped yeah. in the chair.
1: Yeah, that's awesome. And, and so uh, going, like, I want to put your hat back on as an AE, what in those first five months you were in an org that didn't have an enablement function and or at least officially, like what uh, could you speak to like what the organization saw was missing that they said, Hey, we need this function. Like what was, what was going on at that time?
0: Uh, yeah, there's a, there's a, a lot of little things. Um, mo- so, so for, you know, it could be it it was things as small as like we'd have, you know, maybe like a QBR or some type of company event and there's all this knowledge that's given, uh presentations, mm-hmm. training, uh brainstorms, workshops, whiteboarding sessions. And they were wonderful in the moment, but then sellers wanted to go back to them after the fact. Sellers wanted to reaccess mm-hmm. them, sellers wanted to review them. Um uh, so there was no one basically taking those materials and ensuring the sellers had access to them later and kind mm-hmm. of reinforcing that knowledge so that mm-hmm. was really apparent to me because i was I was living it um, right. and I also you know would have conversations with my colleagues and uh, who are you know my fellow account executives and we would just you know say you know it was it was kind of like um a level of follow through, you know, there's so much good yeah. intention that could be given in terms of training or knowledge is passed down, but it, there really yeah. needs to be an ongoing constant follow through on that training and knowledge for it to pay off and for it to, yeah. for to, to resonate um, with sales yeah. reps because they can turn their attention like that. So. Yeah.
1: So uh, yeah, you're a sports guy, right? Um, yeah. You're into, so like I always, I think of an analogy here where it's like, you can have this amazing sports team. You can, you can like a, you know, a Real Madrid, you go and get all the best players in. Um, and it's almost like a sales team can, can do this as well. And, and you 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 invest all the money into the the, the the rock stars, and then you kind of expect them to do their thing. Yeah. And it works out really well at the beginning, which is the problem because it actually like, it makes it seem like oh, I did the right thing. I got all these amazing sellers or Real Madrid, I got this like all-star 11. And then, you know, they go off and they do their thing. But of course, over time, the cohesion's not there, the collaboration's not there, the communication's not there, and that starts to fall apart. And so what any great sports franchise has is like a whole team of coaches and, and people that are like like you said, like kind of zeroing in on the on the follow through. Like here's like here's one a one percent way you can get better in, in this aspect and that. Is that like can you continue that analogy? Like is that kind of how you look at it as well? Yeah, that's that's exactly how I look at it. Uh, You you know, high performers, even one of my
0: big beliefs about, I guess, sales enablement or just sales leadership in general is that everybody needs to be refreshed, even even top Mm. performers. People can get rusty so quickly. Mm. Managers, leaders can get rusty themselves. That's why it's important for them to continue training and taking sales calls and role playing. Sales is one of those active skills. It's like a it's like a sport. You know, you can really lose that muscle memory quickly. Yeah, I also like to compare it a lot to a musical instrument as well. Mm. Um, you know, you have to you have to stay fresh. So it's and you also have to stay top of mind. It's, it's again, sellers are very very busy. Sales leaders are very very busy. There's different initiatives, different opportunities they're focusing on. Um, they're they're just you know the activity of of prospecting mm. and managing people through the sales funnel is is, you know, a full-time job in it itself. So who's going to be that person for them almost in a romantic way, like a, like a guardian angel <laughs> right. to, to oversee right. them and their success right. and the big picture in a, in
1: a way. Yeah. So true for sports teams as well, right? You get these like rock star young kids who are like just amazing, good, but they don't have that ability to, like you said, like just having like a really great, you think of like the great coaches and mentors that play that play their role kind of just like bringing that person up to, to, Realize their full potential. Essentially, yeah, yep. yeah, that's awesome. Um, so, so uh, this going kind to of, you mentioned like this is part of your philosophy. I, I love kind of digging into this. But what what else? How would you, what, when you look at enablement, your role now and going forward? Like, what do you what do you think is important?
0: Uh, yeah, there's a couple of things I think are really important with enablement, and uh, one of them is I like to really think of it as a service. I like Mm. to think of it so much as coming from the mentality, coming from the taking an approach where you're really putting yourself as a servant leader to the sales organization.
1: Yeah.
0: In my, like sales is hard and it's becoming harder by the day. Um, you know, for, for all the reasons that we know about, we see whether it's just the economic landscape right now that's temporary, mm-hmm. but there's larger macro forces that are going on. You see, mm-hmm. you know, research from places like Gartner Forrester about, you know, buyer spending as low as like, you know, 15% of the buying journey with sales reps now. So
1: mm-hmm. it's six months it's, down.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's really tough. So I think it's a really high, in my opinion, it's a high, high purpose to be able to serve salespeople um, mm. and, help them just be more successful help mm. their lives become easier and help them devote time attention focus and energy towards the towards the things that matter
1: mm. so this is called the learning culture podcast i talk about learning culture a lot i don't know if that term itself resonates with you but um i, I feel like the, the the follow-up question to that is like what does that look like What is a high-performing sales team look like i I believe learning culture plays a big part of that but like how do you how do you connect the dots um with that what does that ideal state look like for you
0: yeah yeah it's it's something where it's it's something where people do value things like like learning and growth and preparation Mm -hmm. and goal setting Mm
1: -hmm. i think is
0: really 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 big um, I think you I think it's important to lead by example if they see that their leaders are the type of people that don't just care about the results in the short term or even, you know, result like results are always going to be important, but they care about growth and they yeah. and they care about that for themselves. Right. So they're leading by example and they instill that um, they they instill that behavior to yeah to the entire, to really to the entire team. And not everybody's going to adopt that, but the more people you can get to buy in to elect into that mentality, Mm -hmm. that sales is not just a job, sales is a career that, um, you know, what we do isn't just, you know, making money or selling a product. What we're doing is facilitating change. And that's a really beautiful thing. Yeah. So it's, it's, uh, it's, I think it's a lot of the attitude towards sales, but then it's an attitude towards, towards self-development, personal development and growth. That's going to resonate. Um, it's going to resonate and people, people will get excited by it. I, I, yeah,
1: Yeah, I totally agree. And, um, facilitating change, I think is just such a, um, is the noble pursuit behind this, right? That's really what it is. And, And if you can, do this at a company where you believe in that company's vision, and you believe that what you, you're you're doing for customers is like giving them something that's going to improve their lives or their business. Yeah. Right? That's that's like something worth learning how to do better. Basically, yeah. right? Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. I like to think of it as a precious moment. I think every sales interaction is a very precious moment because mm. I mean, if you think about it, like uh, I mean, if you think of how few. You know, prospects become opportunities, right? So we don't even have the opportunity to really sit down and talk about that, have that change conversation very often. You mm-hmm. talk about how many businesses don't make it. If you, if you look at all the statistics and sales, closing statistics, it's always the majority doesn't happen, right? Even a great mm-hmm. closing percentage is 25%. So mm-hmm. it's statistically, um, kind of a rare scenario where not only, you know, the salesperson has an opportunity to facilitate change, but then the ch- the person or the group commits to that change. Yeah. But I think I was always very, um, I've always really valued starting in the fitness industry mm-hmm. at Equinox because I got to see literally like people change their lives by making Yeah, Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And that's, that's a great point. Cause you don't, uh, like in SAS, you know, you don't always see that immediately, right. That like there's often like a, a, quite a long tail to that. Uh, uh, yeah, that's a, that's a really interesting point. I think that's almost like a, a takeaway for, for enablers to be like, how can I demonstrate, how can I show these sellers like the impact they're having on customers? Yeah. Right. Yep. Doing that more explicitly. Yeah. Um, uh, every sales moment's a precious moment. I love that by the way, that's a freaking awesome, uh, way to think about this and it just ties into servant leadership and all of these things. One of the, you also mentioned learning, growth, goal setting, leading by example. So that's almost, there's this, there's this vision of like these, um, you know, uh, sales people that are leaders in their own domain, going out, doing noble work, you know, helping customers improve their lives. And, um, it's come some of those characteristics, you know, setting a learning the growth, the goal setting. Um, you recently shared a, a, a post um, on LinkedIn about someone that has really exemplified mm-hmm. all of this. And um, for those listening, um, this may, this may, you know, you may be hearing this a little bit after the fact, but like now that we're recording this, it was like this week, um, Aaron Judge, of the New York Yankees, just signed a, was it was three hundred and sixty million dollars. Three hundred
0: sixty million dollars.
1: Yep. Nine year contracts, uh, mm-hmm. like the highest, um, I think, right of anybody in the in the highest in value country. baseball history so far. Yep. Yeah, un- unbelievable. But the crazy part of the story is he turned down how much last year.
0: Uh, okay. Okay. So he at the beginning of last season he t- turned down two hundred and thirteen million dollars. Yeah. From the
1: Yankees. Unbelievable. Um, you drew out three really interesting kind of things that he did there, right? That, that I think we can apply to sales, and we sort of talked about some of these as well. But the first of those things is, I mean, he bet big on himself. Yeah. Um, how how important? Uh, well, actually. Why is that so difficult to do?
0: Um, good question uh, i I mean, I think that i mean it's it's like a bird of the hand, bird of hand is worth two in the bush kind of situation it's yeah, like the, future, yeah. the future can be uncertain, so it really is hard to bet on yourself and I think a lot of a lot of us struggle with imposter syndrome and mm-hmm. like worrying about. Is my success like real? How much was luck involved? you know we we like to project to the outside world that you know we we did it like we we, right. made it. we manifested it and that's that's true to some degree but yeah it's also you know there's a lot of other factors that come into play um and I think even for sellers some some you know some sellers have that paranoia like every Whether you're on Mm -hmm. a monthly quota, quarterly quota, yearly quota, when that new year starts over, am I going to be able to do it again? Yeah. It's a real question. It's a real, and it's a realistic question uh, because even Mm -hmm. top performers don't do it every single time. Yeah. So, yeah. Because it's so
1: hard. Because it's so freaking hard, like you said.
0: it's really, it's really hard to do. I think I I love using, I mean, I'm a fan of baseball, so I'm always going to use baseball comparisons, but I do think, you know, and I'm not the first person who's outlined this comparison, but I do think it's a really great comparison to sales because Mm. a great closing percentage is like 25, 30%. A great batting average is like 250, 300. It's it's one of those sports that if you get a hit three out of 10 times, you're, you're a great success, but you have to be, you have to be okay with quote unquote failure.
1: Yeah. What is that? So this is, this is a big topic for me um, being okay with failure and and learning from it. What does that look like in a sales setting? Um, and, And also maybe you could, you talk to like some the mindset that like doesn't do that, that sort of tries to cover up mistakes or blame them on something else that you don't actually learn.
0: Yeah, uh, that's not good.
1: I would say. <laughs> right, right.
0: Um, yeah, it's you. You can't. You won't last very long in sales if you beat yourself up. So mm. I think a couple of things. Some people are just naturally more predispositioned to kind of internally deal mm. with that, but sometimes people mm. need help, and that's where I definitely think a sales leader, a sales enabler, can really come in handy. To yeah. uh, Lighten the situation up for one, so that's the other mm-hmm. thing is we can't, we can't take ourselves too seriously. We can't take our own content uh, as much as we believe in it and know the importance of it. we we can't take it too seriously. We have to always keep things light. It's definitely one of the the in in some of my sales mentors that I've had who have been uh, I've felt great sales leaders, but really great sales trainers and coaches are yeah. we're really great at at keeping the situation light. And not letting people take that failure too seriously. So there's, Mm -hmm. I think there's that aspect of it, having a little bit of a sense of humor uh, Mm -hmm. around it, around the situation. But also Mm -hmm. I think rapid fire learning is really important. So whenever a quote unquote failure does happen, we have to make sure we're using that as a learning moment. Uh, And just like a really easy way to do that is, you know, like, what did I do well and what would I do differently? After yeah. every sales call as a baseline, we can go a much yeah. deeper, but that should be the reflexes to think about that. And yeah. when you think about what did I do well, what did do, what did I do differently? That's going to help you reframe the, the interaction because the reality is whether you succeed or fail, uh, fail, fail, there was things you could have done. There was things you did well and there's things you could have done better still.
1: Yeah. So you have well, to, no sorry i cut you off it you
0: know I, mean, you, I, I think it's important to kind of just dis- detach ourselves from the outcome yeah. a little bit it's so hard to do yeah.
1: but awesome, oh, man another one like detaching yourself from the outcome that is like such a great like fundamental mindset uh shift to have and then just i was gonna do what i was chiming in for is the one percent better right so like just doing that what did i what did i what 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 could I do better what did I do well like just being able to do that one of the things I always encourage um in the programs we create for clients is, is actually writing that down so it's one thing like going you know as you go to get another coffee like running through your head like that's fine that's a start but it's not really like you're not gonna get that much uh forward momentum if you don't actually write that down um so yeah that that's a that's an interesting thought Hey, it's your host, Andrew here. I wanted to take a second just to say that if you're enjoying this podcast, we would love it if you did a couple of things for us. If you're watching this on YouTube, please hit that subscribe button. It really allows us to grow the channel and reach a lot more people like you. If you're listening to this on Apple Podcasts, take a moment to leave us a rating and review. It's a great way to give us some feedback and to tell the world what you think about this podcast. So whether you listen to it on YouTube or you're listening to it as a podcast, if you take one of those actions it would mean the world to me and my team thank you and with that right back to the show go back to the aaron judge thing so there were, yep. there were two other pieces you you mentioned the second was be a leader right so like he bet big on himself but now he actually had to deliver right he had to go and i think there was like there's some cool story i heard that like he had early in last season he in the batting cages he was like i'm gonna hit 55 home runs this year right something like that and he ended up smashing 62 um you know what so so what what was like what was being a leader what does that look like in mean
0: yeah this is uh it's so important for like i think for sales leaders to take that to take that leadership mentality for a few reasons. One, because again, you're, you're facilitating change for your prospects. And ultimately what that is, is you're leading someone somewhere. So you, you are as a sales rep, you don't have to be a sales leader as a sales rep, you are a leader. But I think when I, when, when, in in reference to Aaron Judge though, I think most importantly is he's, he's a leader internally. So he, he elevates his team, but not only just with his performance, Mm -hmm. it's more about his attitude. He Mm -hmm. cares about the team winning more than he cares about his own you know uh, individual results accolades and attention mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and I think that sales teams that that have leaders you know I, I have seen some cultures where there is toxicity you know and I think that the sales mm-hmm. uh, reps who can show leadership really Elevate the the entire team's performance because it, it, everyone feels like their contribution matters. It doesn't become an us versus them, a me versus you type mm-hmm. scenario. So, um, yeah, yeah, I think I, it's just really crucial.
1: Yeah, I, I was having this conversation with another enabler on the podcast, and um, Crystal Nakazi. It's interesting, uh, like you, when you, it, it's sort of like the the difference between like you can get a bunch of top performers and lone wolves that are out there smashing quarter and like kind of like, you know, pulling the weight for the rest of the team. And you can either choose to just kind of let that happen and feel like things are going along well, or you can actually go, you know what, let's, there are those people, but they're also the bottom performers and there's the middle. And if we got everyone moving forward 1% better every day, like doesn't, they don't all have to become the top performers, but everyone moving 1% better. Like that whole collective effort is gonna be worth way more than anything those those front those front of the pack leaders can do,
0: right? One one hundred percent. It's the difference between, you know, the team hitting ninety percent and the team hitting hundred and twenty-five, a hundred and fifty percent, two hundred percent of their goal. And mm. to your point, not everyone's gonna make the same contribution, but everyone's gonna feel like their contribution matters. Yeah. Like people know their place in um I don't want to say the pecking order, because that makes it sound like, you know, people are more elevated than others. But uh, people know that, like, not everyone's at the same place. Some people are more experienced. Some people have different advantages. And that that's OK. But the question is, did I make a contribution to the team that mattered? And did yeah. we win together? And if we uh, if, if people are winning together, uh, I've just seen great I've seen great things happen. Uh, it greatly impacts turnover.
1: Yeah. Like,
0: or, you know a neighbor should be like, you know, the number one concern. If there's the worst Mm -hmm. feeling is, is, is turnover, right? You feel like you have the rug pulled out from under you because you've done this great training. You've done this great, you know, development. And there's always going to be some naturally that happens. Not all turnovers, negative, some positives like promotions and things. But Mm. if there's ever negative turnover, because, um, someone felt that their contribution didn't matter. Yeah. That's that's a really sad thing.
1: Yeah. I think this is such a critical point. Crystal mentioned something which stuck with me was that you can everyone often the difference between the top performer and the bottom performer is that the bottom performer is doing one or two things really well. So that's your point of like your contribution matters and here's how like you know letting them know. And she's like, often the difference with the top form is just, they're able to connect it all together. Like they're able to do like mm-hmm. a lot of different things together. So everyone's doing something good. It's just yep. someone doing yeah. everything good. Right. Yep. And, and I think, yeah. And I love that idea that like winning together and, and just how that, uh, that focus on turnover, man, like I just think you, you, you creating a much stronger organization, a team yep. as opposed to individuals.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's, it, it's definitely uh, something that, that I've, always try to focus on and take pride in Uh, at equinox if i did have an accomplishment that i I was most proud of during my six or so years there you know we we broke sales records all that that stuff was great but we uh i actually had in my region um year over year the turnover was about half of what the company average was
1: yeah and i just that was
0: always to this day something i'm just really proud of
1: yeah and probably contributed to those great numbers as well Oh, for sure. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, okay. And then, so the last thing you mentioned in the Aaron judge um, post was actually, it's another story I told it's probably more appropriate here where he, he said like, he just like, he's like, I'm going to hit 55 home runs this year. It was like early, like preseason, whatever. Um, and he went out and smashed the record and, and all that. And, um, you know, so, so you, so you said like setting goals and preparing. So like, that was like where it was focused in internally, individually, like he had to go and do it. He set himself that goal of 55 and he, he like, I, I, th- I don't know too much about baseball, but I, from what I know, like he is like also an obsessive, like practicer and yeah, you know, yeah. like he, he's constantly working at So like, yeah, what does that look like in a, and maybe feel free to add to the Aaron Judge story as well and translate that to sales.
0: Yeah, it's, so I mean, I, it's part of what it make, makes him great. Is he's spending all this time preparing in the offseason, even though he's already great. But I think the yeah. beauty of that story is, you know, he, he, he you know, I'm saying I'm, I'm going to hit 55 home runs, and some people might say that and say, oh, like that's that's cockiness or something like that. It's not. It's right. confidence because he was preparing. He said it in that moment for a reason. Mm-hmm. Part of the, part of something I think is really important for. For a sales enablement that maybe doesn't get discussed a lot or, or people don't think of all the time is state management. So a lot of times we think of it as we need to pass down this knowledge, we need to train these skills. And from what I've seen, a lot of it's we need to we need to put our sellers in a in a really resourceful and confident state. Yeah. And there's a lot of different ways to do that. But in my opinion, slash experience, it's preparation. It's ensuring they're taking the time to prepare for every sales call or depending on the volume, every important sales call. Mm. Uh, But that preparation is what's going to breed that confidence and
1: they're going to feel good about what they're doing. Mm. And then that confidence is going to breed great results. I love this is, I haven't heard that before. State management, um, it, Makes me think of kind of the mindsets and behaviors aspect of of selling, right? That that are, that are important. It feels like that's that's wrapped up in there. Well, I'd love to dig a little bit deeper. What, what does that look like tactically? If you try to think of creating the perfect state um, there at Motors.
0: So, so in terms of state management, a couple of things. Um, people want to feel. So, what, what, what can an enabler do? So, number one, they can make sure that they have. Um, a method to prepare. They need a, a time to do it. They need a space to do it. They need they have an you know an example, maybe a partner, some type of accountability. Like really okay. flesh this out, right? Don't just say, like, you should prepare. Like this needs to be a system of its own. Um mm-hmm. sellers need to from a very early stage. So part of the tactic would be to get, you know, to start early. Well begun is have done. So make sure this is part of training, training and onboarding, not mm-hmm. just something like optional later mm-hmm. on after you training on a boarding, uh, is to get into this process into this habit of prep- preparing um, but I think another thing enablers can do is like take pride in their their own enablement like that kind of confidence and enthusiasm will shine through when you launch a new program if you have a pep in your step and you mm. give the impression that this is like this is exciting this is impactful this is valuable they will feel that they will absorb that they will believe in it and they will want to run with it with confidence
1: Mm. I love that. I mean, that is sales, right? Being able to like transfer that confidence in a product to your, to your prospect. Um, Yeah. What, what else, how do you, you, you can demonstrate it yourself. What other ways do you, do you kind of get sellers to be practicing the things they need to be practicing to develop these mindsets and states? Yep.
0: So another, another thing to do is to kind of go back, going back to that, you know, the culture of learning is to, give them materials and resources that are like outside of you know your own company's enablement program like if you can get people encourage them to be listening to podcasts to reading sales Mm. books that kind of inspiration Mm. if you're listening to a podcast every morning the seller who's listening to a podcast every morning comes in that's that's state management they're going to come in inspired they're going to come ready to try something different hey I got this new technique tactic philosophy Mm -hmm. approach I'm going to see how I'm going to apply that today It creates a little bit of a mentality of trial and error, but Mm, um, mm. also just excitement about the sales profession. So the the other thing is, is I think adding, adding those, adding those additional resources where a seller feels like they're now part of something, like they're part of Mm. this exciting career where people are learning new Mm -hmm. things, Mm. trying new things. And that again, that kind of excitement is going to breed great results.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I talk about creating a sense of belonging. Like that's, that's, I think what you're describing there Feel um, yeah. to feel like they're part of something.
0: Yeah. not just in, and, and, and not just belonging to the own internal, your own, the own team, but belong to this larger sales culture. Like, like, you yeah. know, like you and I are right now, you know, right. who, is, who is their tribe, help them find their tribe and hopefully it's, it's a sales tribe.
1: <laughs> yeah, totally. And, and yeah, I mean, LinkedIn is such a great, place for that to, to find those, those like minds. I mean, you, you're putting out great content and it's how I found you and how we're having this conversation. So uh, another big takeaway for folks listening to, to get out there and put your, put your thoughts out there and see, see see who comes. uh, Yeah. So um, let's shift gears for, for a second. I want to bring it back to kind of what you you're dealing with on a day-to-day basis. A lot of people want to know, um, and, and you know, and obviously find you know related to um, or see relation to what what other neighbors are going through. So, what are what are your kind of top priorities um, as you look forward into to the new year?
0: Yeah, the top um, top priority number one is definitely. Uh, always want to go back to refining kind of territory planning and ho- refreshing on who is our top persona. I think it's so important mm-hmm. to for sellers just to be spending their time in the right places from the get go. Is is mm-hmm. like half of the battle. Um, yeah. But it, uh, another I think really big topic that's top of mind though is upping the level. Like uh, especially from like a prospecting standpoint. I I really think all sellers need to up their game that much further right now with the current economic landscape, with the way people are scrutinizing SaaS purchases and technology budgets. You really have to – before there was kind of this idealized version of prospecting where like you not only explained your value proposition in a personalized way to that person, but I think you also need to add the why now. Mm. Um, not only why am I reaching out to you, but why now is it so important yeah. that you need to take a meeting with me this week or next week? Why can't this yeah. wait for another month or two? Yeah. Some scal- some sellers have those skills, but that's always kind of been like a really high bar that people like aspire to reach you. I think that's now
1: going to be the bar for entry. Yeah. Yeah. I couldn't, I totally agree. I mean, I see this in my own business as well. Like it, that is really c- cracking that nut Yep. Like you said, it was always like the the thing was like you could like get by if you did everything else, you know. Maybe you know took a took a stab at that, but like now you need to get that right. Yep. You gotta be yep. convincing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, cool. So, w- and what are some of the uh, challenges that are you know facing you? Right? What are the headwinds that you have in your current role to to do all these things?
0: Yeah, current role. A um, couple of things. I mean, just being real, it's kind of. uh, for, I mean, so for less resources for one, you know, a lot of yeah. companies are reducing their budgets or not growing, yeah. not increasing their budgets. So you have to work within the resources or maybe less resources. So that's something that's, you know, has to be overcome. Um, and then also uh, less, t- less team members is a mm-hmm. reality as well. Lots of mm-hmm. companies are laying off. Um, our company had a reduction in force as well. So, mm-hmm. you know, how do we how do we maximize how do we now balance efficiency and effectiveness and how do Um, we reprioritize because we cannot do the same things necessarily at the same scale that we could before. mm -hmm. But then how do you make those trade-offs? So I think alignment with leadership is really, really important. Again, always important, but now going to be super important because you, you're, you're going to need the buy-in because with less resources and less hands, uh, You also cannot afford to not have, Mm -hmm. I would say, high level buy in from the the important stakeholders
1: for Mm -hmm. for your programs and initiatives as an enablement professional. Yeah. Yeah. Every action, every decision, every minute really counts now. You got to make sure you're all on the same page. I I do think a lot of the stuff we talked about is, uh, which is why I think this is just such a one of my favorite episodes, because it's so this idea of doing more with less, basically. It's like this servant leadership, like being, um, you know, every moment's a precious moment, like agents of change, all this kind of stuff is all speaking to that. It's like really like focusing on the, how do we make this team better? How do we make the individuals in it better? Um, let's work with what we have, basically.
0: Yeah, I, I truly believe that. I don't think more technology is the answer. I don't think it's necessarily even a new tactic skill or strategy that's that we mm-hmm. were missing out on before. It's, again, one of the things I value for my career was challenging at times, but I overall value it immensely is I started in B2C and mm-hmm. then transitioned to B2B um, in training and development, but then transitioned to B2B SaaS. But I was able to observe that, in, in my opinion, it's not necessarily, like there's more similarities than differences. And what sellers are missing out on, I think is more... A lot of behavioral based um, yeah. and mindset based, yeah. than, than it is necessarily any actual like tangible knowledge that they're missing out on. So,
1: yeah.
0: uh, if you can imbi- totally. if you can create that type of culture, like a learning culture, a growth culture, mm. uh, a cult, you know, a culture who really values the sales profession, sees what they're doing as
1: impactful. Yeah. That's yeah.
0: going to, that's going to just drive, that's going to drive yeah. more so than any to- piece
1: of technology or strategy. I, I totally agree. And it's, um, to me, it's like a, it's like a sports team that suffers a bunch of injuries. Right. And they're just like, often like those are the, those underdog stories of this team yeah. that like rallied together. And you got some of those bottom performers who's stepping up and doing things that no one ever thought, including themselves, that they yep. could do. Um, yep yeah,
0: yeah it's, it's not always the the uh to use another baseball analogy it's rarely the the team with all the superstars are the highest payroll that makes and wins the world series
1: yeah exactly exactly it's the best team um yeah so mike this has been this has been a lot of fun I, I've, I've enjoyed enjoyed this conversation um i'm gonna start to like bring it to a close with probably two more questions the first one this is these two I asked to everyone um You, you strike me as someone who does also listen to podcasts, like you mentioned, probably read a bunch of books. I can see them behind you. What are you reading, learning, listening to now? Anything that's like top of mind for you that you can share?
0: Um, yes. So, uh, I mean, the best book I've read this year for sales is a book called Jolt. So hopefully your listeners or whoever's listening to this has come across this book. Um, I think someone's mentioned it on
1: the show, actually. Yeah. Yeah. I, I
0: highly, highly recommend it. If it's a book you've heard about, but haven't read yet, believe the hype. <laughs> um, yeah. 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 I just, it's think It's probably the best sales book of the last 10 years. Um, and lots of data and lots of actionable, um, strategies to implement
1: too with the team. The jo- yeah. It was Sam Lau actually who mentioned it. I'm just looking back at my old notes, the Jolt effect.
0: <laughs> yeah. Um,
1: yeah, yeah. I love it. I love it. Um, Cool. I'm going to, I, now this is, I've heard this twice. Like I'm going to go buy this later today. Good, good. Yeah. Um, okay. And then last question. Um, why do you do what you do?
0: Deep question. Um, (laughs) why do I do what we do? I mean, I, I think hopefully, um, it, this has been conveyed, but I, I have a, um, a quite romantic view of sales <laughs> uh, yeah. and, what, and what sales professionals do. And maybe that's because I started out as a person who didn't really know what I was going to do in life, didn't really know what my career was going to be, wasn't sure um, what I wanted to study in college, a guidance counselor said, well, your favorite subject's history. So go for history. So I said, all right, mm. I just went along with the flow and I said, all right, let me just go study history. And maybe I'll be a history professor, a teacher. That sounds like a, like a great job. Um, but then I, I found my way into sales and i f- i f- saw the, the basic, basically the way you could change your own life and the way, mm. uh, you can control your own income mm. and how, you can be a part of a team that's winning and feel just like a sports team and Mm -hmm. like it's, I don't know, I'm just a big believer in it. So why I do what I do is I like to take, I like to help other people um, who maybe are in a similar position or or are in sales, but not really sure about sales. And Mm -hmm. I like to help them achieve the kind of success either in terms of changing their you know, economic living standards or professional growth, growing into becoming a manager or a leader, that now this becomes a full-fledged career for them. And mm-hmm. they just feel there's been a transformation. It's kind of like, again, goes back to the fitness industry. You can see that transformation in people when they're yeah. kind of like new and green and not sure. And then two or three years later, they're like a leader, coaching, mm-hmm. developing, mentoring others, you know helping, you know, helping customers like super savvy, impressive person who's full mm-hmm. of confidence. I just, I love to see that. So
1: Nothing better, man. I feel exactly the same. That's uh, that's awesome. Well, Mike, it's been a fun episode. Um, I want to thank you for, for taking the time out of this busy, busy time here for, for everyone in sales. Um, so thanks for doing that. And and just want to give you the last word, anything you like, any words of advice or something you want to share or, Point people towards anything you want to have as a closing
0: thought. Ooh, um, nothing to point someone towards. Uh, I would just say, uh, something, uh, tagline I have on my LinkedIn is I'm on a mission to remove winging it from the sales process. So <laughs> Anyone who wants to join that movement, feel free to please, uh, you know, connect with me and, uh, we can talk about it. Let's, let's, let's eliminate, eradicate winging it from the sales process. I
1: love it. I love it. I love it. I'm going to, I'm going to definitely, uh, embrace that definitely uh, so we'll include your links and all that in the show notes um, everybody listening go and follow Mike um, connect with him on LinkedIn it's really cool content that, you, that you're that you putting out there so I, I would encourage you to keep doing that man I, I love reading your posts um, thank you
0: appreciate it and likewise very much awesome um, thank you man well thanks for coming on the show it was a lot of fun awesome thanks for having me
1: hello hello i hope you enjoyed that episode it's andrew again with a quick message if you'd like to support the show the best way to do that is to leave us ratings and reviews where you listen if you're on youtube hit the like and subscribe buttons and feel free to leave a comment we love hearing from our listeners and viewers if you're listening to this on apple podcasts please take the time to give us a rating and leave a review once again we love hearing from our loyal listeners. If you're listening to this on Spotify, please hit the follow button to make sure that you don't miss new episodes as they come out. See you next week for another episode of the Learning Culture Podcast. Thank you for listening.